Good morning. Or evening, afternoon, midday. Happy listening. I mean, as long as you're here, we're just happy no matter what time of day it is or what exactly. year it is. Um, I'm Logan, hanging out in New York City. I am Alec. I'm here in Minneapolis, where it snowed last week, so that was fun. Um, this week, we're talking about contact tracing, Google and Apple partnering to maybe track your every movement, maybe not. Maybe we'll dabble into some conspiracy theories. Who knows? And uh, we also have our first guest. Yeah, live from selling. Well, I guess it's not really live. But from Sunny LA, we have Elise Shelton. She's worked with some of the top brands um, and we'll go over her resume in the episode. But you're, we're gonna talk about the future of events. What's happening now? How did COVID affect it? And where will events be in the future? And we'll answer that burning question in your mind. Will you be All able to go to Coachella do. next year? Coachella. All I wanna do, I wanna own a mosh pit like once or twice again before I'm officially too old to do so. And we'll answer that as well. So Alec, let's start. Let's do it now. Start what now? The podcast. The podcast. Like right now, let's just... We can't do it. We'll come, so we can, I can't, I can't mosh pit. I can't. No, because you can't do that. We'll just talk about it. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Episode two. It's day 43 of quarantine for me. 43. Four, three. I'm scared to look. Mine, I think the last day, the last day I went to the office was March 11th or March 12th, I think. My first day at home was March 10th. So, okay. so we're pretty we're not far behind me. Oh, man. That's wild. Uh, yeah. I was uh, last week, uh, in the last week, anything new, bright updates, same old, same old. No, I mean, I think there's just like the, there's bright updates and there's real updates. My company did the full reorg and that's the reality. Um, Made it through. So we're just continuing. (laughs) I feel like I got the, was handed a baton and like, I keep running with this. Yeah. But no, it's good. There's, um, you know, it's a blessing. You know, there's a lot of people out of work these days. So just like keep on keeping on. Um, I made my great grandmother's kolache recipe this weekend. What is kolache? So kolache is a Czech pastry. It looks like a Danish, but there's no like frosting drizzle on top. Okay. And I made, so I made the dough from scratch. It has to rise five separate times. And the entire process start to finish took me about seven hours. I have no idea how she did this when we would go out there and visit her on the farm. But I had never had this flavor before. So like each filling, like traditional fillings are like prune, apricot, poppy seed. And poppy seed's like not my favorite because it's like 
it looks like prune and often you mistake it for prune, but when you bite into it, it's like biting into sand. It's really gritty. It's like not pleasant, but some people like it. Just more for them, not for me. But my mom found this recipe um, uh, for a pineapple filling. So I made the filling from scratch over the stove and I made the dough and I did it all. And they turned out pretty dang good for my first round. You know, I have like a tiny studio and <laughs> my oven is just as tiny, you know, like just when Barbie tiny, yeah. has her dream house, like it's, I have her oven, I swear. It's like a quarter, it's like a quarter the size of a real oven. <laughs> Seriously, I have to have a special cookie sheet to make fit in there. And so now I'm like trying to figure out the like semantics of like what goes into this recipe and like what's going to do well in my easy bake oven. So um, learned a lot, feeling good. We'll attempt the recipe again in the near future, but that was like the weekend's like, and this past week's like big, big accomplishment. Nice. And I made, I made monster cookies. Monster cookies. Yeah. Like, are those, like, everything in your kitchen sink type of cookies? Type of no, idea? well, kind of. Um, I, I tried. They weren't as good as my mom making them, so we'll have they to. They never are. I'll, I'll have to get better at that. But uh, it's, it's essentially, it's, like, the entire recipe is, like, sugar, brown sugar, um, M&Ms, chocolate chips, caramel pieces, butter, peanut butter, uh, and, like, oatmeal oats. Sign me up. Mix it all together. Bake them up. How many are left, Alec? Uh, I think there's like <laughs> five left. All right, that's I, decent. I made like, I made a lot. So, <laughs> but they weren't. They're not. They're not. They're like okay. So I've been able to like make them last. Control myself and make them last a little bit. Right. It's been Have almost been a week and I haven't eaten. Yeah, I mean, my mom made them, like, right before this whole quarantine thing, and she gave me, like, two Ziploc bags, and I went through them in a week, so. <laughs> you know, I, I have a massive sweet tooth. I mean, it's all about, like, if I want it, I'm going to take it at this point. Like, I, I said on Twitter this morning, I'm bringing YOLO back, because if I'm going to do anything right now, it's, <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I'm just going to go all out, all the time, as much as I can do from 203 square feet, like. Oh, and I bought that bike I was just telling you about. Yeah. It's like collapsible bike that'll allow me to like run through the city. So I'm going to put that together hopefully on Friday. Do a little biking. (laughs) You say YOLO. I have Memento Mori tattooed on my arm. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, yours is a far more elegant version of (laughs) (laughs) what society has done to that phrase. Okay, whatever. So... Um, Big I news this week. Say the same thing. Big news. Not really big news. Well, kind of. It's kind of old. But a partnership for the ages. Yeah. So we're gonna we're diving into uh, contact tracing, which is. The, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, it's <laughs> it's kind of it's a, two it's, Minnesotans trying to lead a conversation. <laughs> like, here you go. No, you. No, you, sir. <laughs> okay, you go out. We'll get this down eventually. Um. But this is something that's kind of what's been used for in all types of virus outbreaks and things like that. Um, but Google and Apple are working on a partnership to essentially make this what is normally a very like manual process 
and digitize this process. Um, so it's going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of privacy concerns, a lot of things that people want to watch out for. We'll get into some of the, like the the more technical details. But do you want to give a breakdown of what contract tracing is? Yeah, and I'm gonna and some of our listeners might have already done this on a really small scale. If you've ever had the unfortunate event of having an STD, <laughs> you've done contact tracing. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I didn't even think about it, that. right? Like, yep, you come thing. in contact with something. Now you got to inform everyone that you've been in contact with the unfortunate news that they too might have been exposed to this unfortunate thing that you now have. So if you've done that, you've already been a part of contact tracing and now Google and Apple are going to make it far easier for, well, basically they're going to be the ones to tell other people that you have, may have this thing and you might not even have to deliver the bad news. So win, win, I think <laughs> that's my vote. So in the past, the public health departments or have like used this system uh, to manage like infectious diseases. I mean, you've used it potentially on a local scale, not Alec, not you, but like uh, other people. Um, and they're like, the idea is they're tracking the virus. They're not tracking you. And I think that's like the real, the real answer that people are going to want to know, right? Like you don't want to think that like they're following your GPS. They're trying to follow the virus. They don't care where you are. They want to know the virus's movements, not yours. And it basically so I don't need is going to gonna... get my tinfoil hat. No, not yet. All right. But you know, you can keep working on it, like word the smith it. <laughs> but it's going to use the idea right now proposed by Apple and Google is that we're going to use like Bluetooth low energy. They are going to build an API, and and I think the rollout is still really unclear, right? Like, is the app are apps going to be built out at the local level for the API to be used or are they going to implement it into like the iOS or like the operating systems of phones? And when you update your phone, it'll just naturally be in the background and like, and it'll talk with the unique identifiers. Like, so every person will be given a unique identifier. If a unique identifier that your phone has, um, if your phone and you have come in within six feet of someone else who has been con who has contracted the disease, you will then get like a notification like, hey, maybe download this app, maybe proceed to this website to learn more about like what you need to do in next steps. But like the rollout is unclear, but the technology behind like how it's going to be served is basically a few weeks into development right now. Right. Uh, and so essentially what they want to do is <clears throat> allow people to report that, hey, I got, I tested positive for COVID-19. Um, I tell my phone essentially, and then the the network um, that your phone has created notifies everyone who you may have come in contact with. So, uh, Bluetooth, BLE, Bluetooth Low Energy, um, it's the same. Like I'm wearing iPod or AirPods, it's the same technology that allows my AirPods to connect to my laptop. Right, and if your AirPods are too far away, they're not going to connect. So. The whole idea is like if you're not far, close enough to another person's phone, it's not going to even register. So, right. And so, there's. I kind of got. I, I went into the weeds a little bit. Um, Classic. 
<laughs> and so anybody knows me a little bit, uh, I don't have any tinfoil hats, but you know, I, I fall on that side of the, the conspiracy minded spectrum. Um, <laughs> and so I wanted to know exactly like, how does this work? Um, what exactly are they going to be doing? What are they going to be using, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so there's actually three levels of access keys that they would be using. So there'd be a local level that's just your unique identifier on your device. Then there's the log of all the identifiers and the unique keys that you come in contact with. And then there's another one that's kind of all of the all of the keys that exist. And so if you you have to opt in, you have to be like, yes, I will use this, etc. Um, then essentially your phone will always be emitting a Bluetooth low, low energy signal. And then if you come into contact with someone else's phone who is also using it, then it pairs up. Your phones do a, a digital handshake, exchange keys. And if either of you end up testing positive and put that information into the app or the operating system, um, then it'll notify all the people that you've come in contact with. So the rollout is, like you said, it's a little bit murky. Um, <clears throat> it looks like, I did some more reading on this um, after the podcast that we both listened to, but the, the initial API, so um, at the API's application programming interface, it allows essentially a platform for people to build apps on top of. That will be rolled out in mid-May, hopefully, if they hit all their deadlines. And then local governments, state by state, will be able to build, either build apps or integrate this in API into their existing apps so that people can start doing this tracing. And then the hope is that by sometime this summer, it'd be something that they can build into just a software update for your phone, for your operating system. So you could go into your settings and hit opt-in, positive, not positive, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the last time that any sort of like government entity tried to use an app was like the, the Iowa caucuses. So, you know, that doesn't give me a lot of <laughs> hope for <laughs> this like actually working. Um, I mean, but I don't the reality know, of it, the reality of it, like rolling out on a state by state basis, it's so fragmented. Like it's just going to be really tricky to manage when you have all of these different variations. The real win would be if it just rolled out into the operating system, which, right, um, which of course you're opting into when you're upgrading your operating system on your phone but then you don't even have to think about it. It's just running on the background and you're not like, different apps are gonna take advantage of your GPS services far more than this app would or this op yep. operating um, element. And it's simply just gonna be used for your, just like the health and safety. And I think like for so many of us, you know, we're privileged enough to like stay in our homes. But you know, one thing that we, Alec and I were reading up about is like, the people who are on the front lines, like the grocery store clerks, those who are at the pharmacy, you know, just doing like the everyday jobs where like 
that need to stay open, like they can use this at their work and make sure that like when they head home for the night, like that it's been, it's been basically able to record any keys that have come through while they've been working and whether or not they've ever been potentially at risk um, throughout just like carrying out their everyday work duties. And I think that's like a true benefit for some of these individuals who are working in a non-hospital setting that still are having to work and face the public on a regular basis. And I think that's, that's the most effective use that this will have. Um, like, I don't know, the, from what I've been reading about Bluetooth low energy is that some people have said that they're gonna <clears throat> like potentially be able to use the strength of the signal to determine how close you are with someone. Right. But other things that I've read are Bluetooth is a, it's a binary system. So either there's a signal or there's not a signal. And so like for us, like I've never seen any of my neighbors in my apartment building, like, but we might, I mean, being in an apartment building, I guess if your key goes off, there's probably a good chance if you're leaving your apartment because you're in the elevator or right. doors and whatever. But if I'm like actually like self-quarantined for 14 days, I don't leave. And then I get a notification that says, hey, you've come in contact with someone because it's gone through the walls or something like that. That's going to be an issue. There's going to be, there's potential for a lot of false positives, which would be a very scary be a serious scary message um, right it's a scary like push notification idea. to get yeah it's like this idea of like we're offering a service it's not going to be perfect and knowing that it's not going to be perfect like is there going to already be doubt that like when they're delivered an answer if it's true or not and like the implications that come from that alone are tricky yeah and then so other countries have tried this uh most notably singapore um like they have an app for contact tracing and somewhere between like 10 and 15% of the population downloaded it. Uh, and other things I've read that for this to actually be effective, you need like 60% of the population to download and use it. And so how do we get people to actually opt in and download and actively use an app from, <laughs> from the government? I mean, that's like the hard part. It's like, if we roll it out on the state by state cases, state by state basis i don't know there you go is, but um if we roll it out that way it's going to be extremely hard for the adoption rate to like skyrocket like people are going to be hesitant they're gonna not feel i think like there's just going to be a lot of self like a lot of doubt in just like the general nature of it um and then you're talking about like marketing and promotion dollars that are going to be flooded into this just to make this like relatively relatively aware um that being said, leveraging like influencers and other things to make this more appealing uh, wouldn't be a bad idea at a cost, obviously. But the reality is, no matter how we're how it's going to roll out, it's going to be you're going to have to opt in, and it's going to either be embedded in your iOS. It's going to it won't be a national app. It's going to be something that's like micro level or like macro at the sense of like by phone and operating system which i think yeah. is the tricky part and like if and then maybe there's one app to like direct traffic to that has all the information like a one-stop shop but like it's gonna be really 
it's going to be goofy. The idea is really good, but the already there is so much doubt in the the rollout of it and like the actual workings and the technology feels semi-sound to me like it makes sense but I think nobody understands the I think so many of us are like like isn't this is this going to be over soon like is this going to come out too late and I think we have to think larger that this is around for a little bit and like anything that we can roll out at this point to help in the fight and the aid and especially for those who are like more at risk I think is a huge benefit yeah I mean Unfortunately, like our government is largely incompetent. And so <laughs> trying to get any of this stuff like this to roll out is a challenge. Um, I've heard people say like, if they wanted this to work, they should tie it to like stimulus checks. So if you want a stimulus check, you have to sign up and actively participate in some sort of contact tracing. That's, that's a way more organization than any sort of government will ever put together. Right, especially since like 80 million plus people already received their check. Right. And it's exactly. direct deposit. So it's like, mm, that, should, that just flew into my bank account fast, you know? I think also, you know, there's that reality that there's so many people who don't have a smartphone. And there's still that divide. Or an old like, smartphone. Right. And like, regarding of like how how, depending on what phone you have, like, what group will this like actually affect and which will not? And for those who can't afford some sort of phone or any like a smartphone or whatever, that's up to the standards of what this operating system or like AI will need, are those the people that need it the most? And I think it's like continuously that divide that we continue to face when who, who are we trying to help in this situation, you know? Right. And I mean, and just to add on to the, the questions, one one note about government incompetence. Um, there's lots of notes to be made about that, but uh, in the rolling out of stimulus checks, there was a guy in Indiana who checked his bank account to see if he got a stimulus check. And he did indeed did get a stimulus check, but it wasn't for $1,200. Uh, the IRS put $8 million into his bank account. Oh. <laughs> I wish. And so they they corrected the error within like two or three days, but oh, I would have withdrawn I mean, that so fast. Oh, I mean, yeah, you still like yeah. I need to open up seven new bank accounts and just start dispersing funds. Offshore, offshore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so yeah, that and then unfortunately, like, how do you stop just annoying human being internet trolls that? just sign up and just say that they've tested positive just to fuck with people. And it's a really hard time to roll out something like this. We're already seeing so many people who feel that the government has overstepped by just asking them to quarantine and they're digging matters into their own hands and saying, we want to normalize this, stop letting COVID like kill our vibe and we want to go back to work and do our like regular thing. And they're just like, you know, flooding the capitals and not social distancing, not wearing masks, not doing anything because they're sick and tired of being told what they what they need to do. And they're just like, we're going to move forward and we're going to take back this, this good time in our life and 
and try to normalize this the best we can and not live in fear. And now if you're going to have ask these people to basically download an app that's also run in like by these entities who maybe have, you know, there's larger questions at bay with the privacy issues and people still asking those and not fully understanding what's like at stake with this app and like, what is it doing? Or if it's an app or if it's the rollout or whatever it is, the, you know, people are going to be really hesitant because they already feel that the government's overstepped in terms of like what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. And we're facing a real issue there because so many of these people are basically just saying like, I'm done and I'm going to like start going back to work. And it's like, what's the, like, what's the right answer? I mean, for me, I'm like social distance totally that like, I have no problem like doing that because it's, I'm not social distancing for me. I'm social distancing for those who have severe health issues and can't actually fight this on their own. It's not, it's not about me in the situation. It's about so many of those who live at risk. And we know plenty of people in our lives who, who would greatly not benefit from obtaining this disease. So I think it's, it's this really interesting time where we're seeing a lot of turmoil with the overstepping of a government when people feel that they've already been told too much of what to do. And this might just be one more thing in that one more hash in that mark. I don't know. That didn't make a really, that wasn't a really smart analogy, but you know, (laughs) whatever. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. I think this, this time has really shown it's shown how incompetent world governments are. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, we could talk for days about China's mishandling of how they did this and the World Health Organization's mishandling and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of all of the incompetence that's been displayed and like 25 million people have lost their jobs, stock market is hitting record highs. Like these things don't quite compute. Um, and so it's showing it's showing that gap between the super elite and kind of everyone else. And so it makes sense that this would be a time that people are thinking like, okay, if there's going to be a revolution of some sort now seems like would be the time because all of this, like, it seems pretty obvious that there's the system is broken in many places and this is exposed that, but ironically, in order to start a revolution, you need to gather in large groups and, you know, and organize, which is the exact opposite of what's healthy to do. And so, uh, but in that problem lies innovation and that's what it's forcing so many people to do. Like, how are we going to be able to still accomplish the same goal, but in the, in the non-traditional format? And I think that's, a really healthy thing that the that's pushing this enti- the entire system through it's kind of like a straight up detox yeah i mean our government needs a detox of old people it's it like no one no one in government understands technology enough to actually like facilitate the rollout of something like a bluetooth enabled contract tracing system and yeah. like, okay, like I'm, I, I like the fact that 
the private sectors taking it upon themselves to do that because go capitalism. But we also need some sort of regulatory body in our government that understands technology and understands the developments of artificial intelligence and what's coming down down the pike as far as technology goes. And these people just don't understand. They don't get it. You know, I think we've, in the United States, we've seen this for the last few years, like what's been done isn't working. And I think that was a lot of what pushed Trump into office. Like people didn't want the current state. They didn't want a lot of like what was, what had been done. They wanted something totally different. And while depending on what side you take, like whether or not that worked, but and I'm not going to go into this because that's not what this podcast yeah. is about. But the reality is people want change again. And like, it's forcing everyone to learn and think differently. And the reality is there's plenty of people in office who don't understand what's the technologies and the elements that are basically being used to help aid people. And if you can't speak to that, then you're you're not educating yourself and staying on top of like what's happening in the in the world and if you're truly somebody for the people you have to understand all of the elements that are at work for the people and i think that's where we're really seeing a um a miscommunication so yeah i mean like and i don't think it even just lies with the old people like if technology is not your 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 cup of tea like it's time to learn up on that because that's going to be super important Alec literally just raised a glass of tea at me. And it's literally drinking tea. Um, um, but that, I mean, that's the truth, you know, and that is, that's this tea. So you got to be ready for it. We're in the age of technology and it's only going to become more and more apparent. And I think the cool part about all of this is we're now seeing your phone no longer become a phone. I mean, your phone's a computer that can make calls. It's literally, and it's, I think it's reshaping how everybody views their phone. Like while we've like, a lot of people are adapting and like viewing more content on it, like what your phone could do for you. Like I had a conversation about this with my colleague today. She's like, I wish my phone could tell me the humidity of my, my apartment, the temp, like whether or not I'm running a temperature and like, um, and like other elements that it just like can't do. And I'm like, I think that's only on the horizon. Like, your oh, yeah. phone. I mean, that's wearables, right? Right. It's true. You know, it's like all of it being adapted into smart technology and maybe you're, and like, into your point a wearable, like your phone may not look like your phone in 10 years. I mean, it probably shouldn't because that means like we really haven't gone anywhere because it's been the same old rectangle wireless for so long that like it's only moving forward in some, some other shape and form. So. Yeah, and I think well, what you can't allow <clears throat> is for, because, just because you're surrounded by technology and like smart speakers and smart technology does not make you smart. We can't okay. let the fact that we have these devices that do all these things for us, let us become complacent and become stupid and ignorant to how they work and what they're doing. Uh, and that's, I think, most prevalent to kind of get back to privacy and contact tracing things like that but most people don't understand what google and facebook and all these other apps those are the two biggest obviously but 
what these companies are like. If you think about like, why is Google worth billions of dollars? What is their, like, what is their business model? How do they bring in revenue? By selling the, the information about what we do with their free services. Mm-hmm. That's how they make their money. And so you can't, you can't not use Amazon and Google in today's world. It's like literally almost impossible. Um, and so you need to be able to understand how they work, how it functions, what your role is in that function to be able to protect yourself from any missteps and misguided choices that they make in the future. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. There's so much that people just expect technology to figure out for them. And that's, that's just not the future. The future is understanding it, making it better, making it smarter and adapting with it, not letting it outsmart you because we've all seen that movie. Yeah. It's terrifying. (sighs) Nightmares for days. Um, Yeah. I mean, like, and some people are like, I don't care about my data, whatever. Right. And I've been thinking about contact tracing and kind of like, other things that are going on in the world of technology, especially the way China has kind of started to do some of this health reporting and things like that for its citizens. But if you are, if you believe that Cambridge Analytica changed the election in 2016, then you are admitting, or at least conceding the fact that the data that is given up by all of us every day can be used to manipulate people to do things that they wouldn't have otherwise done. Mm-hmm. And if you're can if you're if you can concede that, then you should be worried about how that data may be used to manipulate you to do something that you think you wouldn't do. Totally. I mean, we and see so, it even in like good instances, like the amount of people who have reached out to me that I have not heard of heard from in years because they're like, New York, they're saying it's so bad there. And I'm like, I haven't watched the news in like four or five years, but like, I have a pretty good inkling of like what's kind of happening outside my door. And you're, you're reporting all of these horrible things. And while I appreciate people checking in on me, it's because the media has led them to believe that there's like, it's, it's one way here and I'm here living it. And I can tell you that like, on my end of things, I had I don't see all of the crisis that you're internalizing from taking in the news. Right. We'll do we'll we'll do another episode on the news because that's just a whole <laughs> a whole bag. But um, I want to get into something that's so a little bit of a conspiracy hat. Um, so the way China has started to do like somewhat of contact tracing is they've given oh. every citizen a QR code, a health QR code that is stored this on their phone. So fascinating. And so every time you go somewhere in China, they scan your QR code and it's either, I think it's like red, green, and yellow. Like red is like, mm-hmm. you can't come in because you're sick. So like go to the hospital, which they're probably just killing those people in China. Yellow is we like, 
we can make some assumptions. Um, yellow is like, you may have come in contact, you can't get in here. And then green is like, yep, you're good to go. Except Chinese citizens don't know what's going into those scores. They don't know if it's, it's where you've been, who you've been in contact with, what you've done, et cetera. That's terrifying because mm. China also has social scores. <laughs> you know about these social scores that China has? No, but I feel like this is a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it absolutely is a Black Mirror episode, and it's absolutely true. They've been working on this since 2014. It was just instituted at the beginning of this year. And now every citizen in China has a social score. And if you, it starts at, at like 1,000. And if you start smoking in a no smoking area, you get, your score gets docked. There's different levels and different grades. And keeping a high score means you get like discounts on things. And having a low score means you have to pay more or you're not able to do things. But again, you don't have access to what goes into your score. And so I read a story of someone who uh, was sued for something um and it made it brought his score down to like not trustworthy because he got sued over something he tried to fly to leave the country and when he got to the airport they're like you're you can't leave you're on you've been banished you're on the distrust list and so he had to write letters of apology to the government until they bumped his score back up enough Oh my gosh. Terrifying. That literally so, is a Black Mirror episode, except for other people are rating you around you. But who knows if there's like little like people just like hanging out in the community whose jobs are just to like catch people and like bring down their rating or technology in place to do that in the place of a human. Yeah, like the 300 cameras that are on every street everywhere in the world, right? So that so is like. Bizarre. That is like the, the furthest end of the spectrum of where like contact tracing at its beginning is like, yeah, let's, like, let's make sure everyone's staying safe and healthy and blah, 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 blah. But you can see how that like quickly snowballs into something terrifying and like huge government over, overreach. Wouldn't you argue though that at that point though, like contact tracing is now just tracking like that what they're experiencing china isn't actually by definition contact tracing anymore it's just a higher like it's basically evolved into citizen tracking same right. letters different meaning and yeah. if you're now you're involved now you're involved in this other thing but like you know, here we have, I mean, you would hope that like by having a democracy and things and these balances that we have at play, we're not going to be subject to certain elements that are in the Chinese government under their rule. But I understand the slippery slope that comes at, and these are the things that why people don't trust to like, to download the app but the reality is exactly. the movement already happens with whether or not you re-download the app or not and if it's seen as a benefit then other measures are potentially put into place to bring that technology and that information further like up front and so i think 
regardless of how you feel about it, if it's already in play, there's not as much that you can do besides understanding how it works and like what you have to kind of like what you need to do to make make sure you're protecting yourself as much as possible. Exactly. And that's like, and for me, my brain just goes to like, okay, this is step one. Step 1000 is communist China, but that's right. It's, we're just using Bluetooth to figure out who you've been in contact with. And that's the step and that's the foot in the door. And then mm-hmm. it slowly stacks up and stacks up and stacks up. And the best time to do those types of things is in moments of crisis. Well, 100%. 9-11 and the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act is still around. Yeah. People don't think about it, though, because it's not at the forefront. It's not what's being delivered to them. Exactly. So that's just a little piece to my conspiracy brain. I would, after reading all this, I would opt in. I would use this. I feel no qualms about Bluetooth signals and um, Bluetooth key handshakes. That seems all on, seems to be all on the up and up. But it's one of those things where it's like, all right, what's the end date? What's the out plan? How do we shut this off? Right. I think um, Alec, uh, being on one side of the spectrum, you'll find that I'm on probably the other side, very relaxed about a lot of this stuff. And I appreciate the balance that we provide. I also would download this, not necessarily in worry of it ever shutting off, but more so just in the, I think the idea that it's just nice to kind of know while I, you know, you do step outside your apartment or you do, you know, you come across people that you'll never see again or, and you just want, this allows for you to kind of, as long as they've opted in, like have an understanding of whether or not you, you have potentially come in contact with it. And it's a good chance that a lot of us probably have, but maybe we've done enough in our everyday life to like avoid actually getting the virus. So also would yeah, download it. it. I don't think it pauses. I don't think it is an, any alarm for concern right now. I think it's a nice measure and it's technology showing up in its best way where humans can't always. So, And it should be, it's also like contract tracing through like digital this way is an additive, should be used as an additive solution, not a replacement for the traditional ways of doing contact tracing. Exactly. There still needs to be massive amounts of testing and all of that, all of those things that everyone's been hearing about still needs to happen. Um, this is just a digital, a digital aid potentially yeah. to those types of things. Just going to make this weird world easier for you to live in. Yeah. Wacky. Fucking weird. <laughs> um, that's uh, all right. That's, that's the contact tracing and small dive into uh, into conspiracy. Oh, I just found a quote that I put down. Let's see. Um, all right. This is about China and their uh, social distancing. So in 2020, China, China will fully roll out its controversial social credit score under the system, both financial behaviors like frivolous spending and bad behaviors like lighting up in smoke-free zones can result in stiff consequences Penalties include loss of employment and educational opportunities, as well as transportation restrictions. Those with high scores get perks like discounts on utility bills and faster application processes to travel abroad. 
That's so, bizarre. Let's just not let that happen in America. Amen. Let's just, you know, remain free and not a communist regime. That's that's my only ask. I feel, I feel like I'm not asking a whole lot. Hopefully Corona doesn't kill democracy. <laughs> yeah. We can end there. <laughs> can, we, can, we, can we put that in a t-shirt? Yeah. <laughs> don't kill my vibe and don't kill democracy. Um, what, uh, anything, any, you've been baking, any like content, any good stuff gotten you through the last week of mm. quarantine? Speaking of um, Asian culture, I downloaded, I uh, participated in this thing called, I think called Pick Me. And it was this like generator that you could like make yourself into a cartoon. Definitely oh. was a website full of a ton of Asian characters. I have no idea what I clicked on, but I had a great amount of fun making myself into like an anime character. And I made a whole bunch of my friends do it. It's available on my highlights on my Instagram. Wonderful. I also decided that, you know, that whole saying like felt cute, might delete later. Uh-huh. I decided in quarantine, I'm calling, um, cute is now spelled Q apostrophe T. Okay. All right. Oh, cute. Like quarantine, QT. I'm just trying to have some, just trying to do some branding fun while I'm in this yeah. 200 square foot box. Yeah. I hear like, you know, I think. This is where my mind goes. We need a brand. We need a brand for quarantine. We'll sell some merch. We'll definitely leave my apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Sell some merch. Um, But Uh, yeah, honestly, in terms of like other things that I've been like really diving diving into, like not a whole lot. Just kind of like watching Ozark season three right now and uh, staying on top of Killing Eve on BBC America. Ozark season three is so good. Oh man, they wasted no time. That first episode, I was just like, what? I mean, what? I'm a huge Jason Bateman fan. I will. Me uh, too. I love Jason Bateman. Um, that's, I mean, that's that third season put that up there. It's probably like one of my top five favorite shows of all time. Yeah. It really has been getting better. And the character art, like just the whole character development in this series has just gotten so progressively better. And it's taken turns in ways I'd never expected. And yeah, dang, Wendy's, way to keep you on the edge of your seat. Wendy's oh, Wendy. arc is insane. It's she insane. is, she, man, no words. So, yeah, I saw someone uh, on Twitter was like, if you had like, you had to choose between, um, Skylar White from Breaking Bad or Wendy Bird from Ozark. Ooh. So I've, I've been rewatching Breaking Bad. It is Wendy Bird by a mile. Yeah. If you're building well, a criminal enterprise, it's Wendy Bird. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You know, both of these women have kind of been put in similar situations where like, I, and Wendy, like, she's like, give me the reins. She leaned in. She's like, all right, we're going to do this. Like, we're going to do it. And she's like, don't wimp out on me, Jason yeah. Damon. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's, it's so good. It's great. Um, don't, well, that's not the end of the episode. So no, we have we a first are, guest this week. 
we were first guests this week and we're really excited to bring her on because the other part of this, you know, we're, we're talking about with you a lot about like what's happening in the world. What are we doing during quarantine? And we've alluded a little bit about this, but like the innovations that are coming from this entire pandemic. And the cool part is we're going to sit down with people from like really cool different industries and talk about like what's happening right now for them, how they've been affected, where do they see innovation moving forward? How's this going to put them in a better place post-quarantine, post-COVID? Because believe it or not, there is a world after this. So we're going to- 18 months from now, but it'll be here eventually. (laughs) It exists. It exists. It's here. It'll be there. Um, So we're bringing in Ali Shelton. She is a full-time freelance event producer and also deals with artist relations for various like large brands. Um, So sit back. I'm going to list a few of them and I'm pretty sure you've known a few of them, but she's based out of LA. She was in New York for five years. Um, Proud to call her my roommate for, I I think we're four years, four years we were roommates and we all lived uh, in the same apartment building in, in Duluth. Yes, and we, so all, we all lived in the same apartment building in Duluth, and it was a great time. Um, so Elise has worked um, as an, in an event production capacity or artist relations for the following brands or events. New York Fashion Week, Black Girls Rock Award Show hosted by BET, the Grammys, Women in the World, the Tony Awards, Essence Festival, Sephora, and the Critics' Choice Awards. And that's only naming a few. She's done far more than that. And we're really excited to have her on and just talk about what's, what's going on. Can we ever gather in, with large groups of people ever again? Is there a place for me at Coachella I in 2021? <laughs> so I want to I be in a field of 70,000 people listening to live music. I'm ready. I'm ready to do that again. I want to feel the bass in my sneakers through my chest, screaming the lyrics of my favorite song as my Ears favorite band. For days. Yes, I want all of that back again. So Elise, tell us the future. Well, hello, Elise. Hi, Logan. And Alex. How are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. How are you? Sunny LA. Are you feeling cheery over there? You know, I have my days. Um, some <laughs> days are definitely better than others. But today, I actually was in good spirits. Like, I feel good. positive and hopeful. I can already feel you channeling that through this podcast, Elise. I try. I try <laughs> How are you? How are you dealing with quarantine? Have you been doing any new activities? Well, you know, I don't like being in the house more than 10 minutes. So (laughs) (laughs) this has definitely been challenging. Um, I feel like I'm going crazy and I'm in a straight jacket, but it has allowed me to work on like new activities I've been wanting to do. Like, you know, like before I left, I like started doing the whole DJing thing. And so I started doing that a little bit more, like practicing that as work, as well as like taking like production classes, just kind of like learning the ins and outs of that. And taking like random webinars and going to like live panels and all that too. So it's been kind of good in its sense. Yeah, <laughs> take advantage. <laughs> You're taking advantage of the opportunities. Exactly. There's so much out there right now. I mean, I was debating about taking a master class and like bartending because I was like, that sounds 
fun and I can make a, like a mean cocktail after this is all over because like we all need it. We all need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I know my drinking intake has definitely picked up <laughs> as if I'm back in college. So I feel like that'd be fun. I feel like a lot of like my friends have been taking like fun little classes here and there because like now everybody's doing it. So right. it's That's trendy. Fun. Do online learning. <laughs> so Elise, you work in the event world. You're working with these big brands. You're working with big names. What is going on? I mean, we can't gather. So tell, give, us the, give us the right now, the state of play. Like what's going on in your industry? Oh, guys, it's been so crazy. I've been so sad. It's just, I feel like in the beginning, like, um, I was like ending my contract with Sephora at the time. I was just like working with them, planning their influencer events. And that was actually my last event, <laughs> which is March 4th. And I want to say it's just been chaos. Like I got a first wave of like cancellations. Like I think like Co Coachella was like one of the first and South by Southwest. And then from there, it's like, everybody just started following. Like, um, I'm in a few different event groups on Facebook where we just kind of like keep in communication as well as just kind of like talk to each other about things and we have a running list of like events that have been postponed or events that have been like rescheduled or just like completely canceled and it's like all of the big events that were supposed to be happening this year are pretty much rescheduled to 2021 with the exception of Coachella which is going to be like later on this year or they've just been completely canceled and now we've just been going through this thing like where it's like are we refunding these people like their money for these concerts or these festivals? And it's just, it's just been all these issues <laughs> trying to figure out like what's going to happen next. And like, I've been going to like a lot of like live panels and webinars just to see what these like senior veterans have to say about the event field. And a lot of them feel like we aren't going to go back to normal by the time fall starts. Like a lot of them feel like we're not going to go back to normal until like, like spring 2021, which is driving me insane. <laughs> <'Cause I'm> just, <laughs> it seems so crazy. It's insane. Like I, no one's really saying positive things about it. Like I feel like I just keep getting like news articles or like friends sending me things like, oh yeah, this has been pushed back again. Or people think that we're not going to do it until next year. So it's just, everybody's just been kind of going crazy and just really been turning to virtual events in the meantime, which has kind of been like the new thing. Right. It's kind of crazy because it's like, you know, people are excited to do something. I went to a birthday party and it lasted for eight hours on like Zoom <laughs> and I was like having a ball of a time. But like, that's like a small intimate like gathering where I know like all 20 people who have arrived, but like these awesome experiences like Coachella who are supposed to be so immersive and you just like, you get to travel, you get to go somewhere, you get to see your favorite artists all in one, like one sweep. Like you going to like view a concert online is nowhere near as exciting as seeing it in person or like being a part of a brand experience or a takeover or what you name it like I think like there's so many questions like especially as people like you know like I signed up for this Coachella experience because these are the people I wanted to see and whether or not those people are available for either if they postpone or if they're like moving into 2021 like the whole artist relations side of thing must be like also super wild Yes. <laughs> it's like, I get the whole virtual thing. Like um, one of my mentors, she was giving a panel on Sunday and she said, you can't be a blockbuster business in a Netflix world. Like, okay, we're canceling physical events, but we got to get into, you know, the virtual events. We got to find a replacement. And like, I went to one on Sunday where it was super well organized. It's like, we had all these different panelists. There was a part where you can like leave the live panels and go like network with other attendees in it, or as well as like, they also had vendors so you could like online shop. So 
there are cool elements in that because it's like I did all that, you know, sitting in my PJs. So, which is great. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper than what I would pay to do that, like in person. Like, I feel like that was like a $5 ticket, whereas like in person, I'm sure it'd easily be like a $50, $75 ticket. So, it's been great in that aspect, but it's just, I just miss like, you know, person being behind the scenes, just like physically being at a music festival or at event, just like running around, getting together certain logistics, just like working with like the artists or the talent, just physically being present and just being, having that experience, which was always like one of the things that I loved about it. It's definitely been a challenge, but I'm, I feel like all of us are starting to become more uh, receptive to virtual events just because that's our new normal for the time being. What's like the technology learning curve for like people in your industry who have like been so immersed in like, like you said, like the chaotic nature of like the behind the scenes of like, where's so-and-so go and get them like running around. Like now it's all like run by platforms or products and like being familiar with them. Like, are you finding that there's training available or like are some products working better than others? Like what are, what are you seeing in terms of like these virtual like environments and like what is what's working and what's not yeah I really like like at first I feel like like everybody was using zoom and even before all this started like I was using zoom and I really love zoom but I know they've been having like a lot of security issues and people have been like looking to other platforms and one of the ones I really love is called Hopin, and that's the one um with the event that I attended on Sunday they just like you're able to do like live events on there as well as like have breakout sessions you're able to sell things on there. So I feel like that's a pretty cool virtual website that people could use. I feel like there is like a learning curve for some, just for like some people who haven't really been doing like virtual or digital events. They don't really know like <laughs> how to communicate or put things together virtually or what have you. So I feel like there has been a little bit of a, a disadvantage there, just having to get certain people to get out of their ways and pull them over to the digital side, just because some people are just like, well, this is pointless, or this is stupid. Like there's, sometimes we have tech issues. Like I was watching something last night where um, these two artists, they were like going back to back and they couldn't figure out how to <laughs> respond to comments and like turn up their audio and things like that. So it's, it has its advantages, but they're learning. They're learning. I think it's, you know, one, I guess one question, like you mentioned that like this event that you attended this weekend was like really well produced. Like, are you still seeing like production companies like go to spaces to produce these like really nice webinars and people tuning into them? So like while practicing social distancing, people are still investing in like nice sets and like nice equipment. And there's still that production element that people like in your situation, like who are used to these producing roles can like still be a part of and still have that like on the ground chaotic like mm -hmm. exciting energy but on you know there's less people obviously attending in person but like you're still in that production setting where you're trying to produce like really nice engaging webinars that are going to go live but you're at the in-person like setup like is that's what is that what's is that what's happening or a lot of people just still doing it from like their homes and like kind of like in this like weird transition phase yeah I feel like I've seen maybe like three or four and they were like all music related where they have a nice setup so they'll try to keep it under 10 people where they'll bring in <laughs> like their guitarist <laughs> or like the creative director or somebody to just kind of help them set the mood which is always nice because it gives you a little bit more than somebody just sitting in front of a computer like you want to feel that vibe and the element of the event or the panel or what's happening but I feel like most of the time it's just people 
sitting in front of their computers, <laughs> just going back and forth, hopping back and forth via Zoom or via Hopin or one of those websites, just talking to each other. But I totally appreciate the people who actually put in effort because it's like, even if you are bouncing camera to camera, it's like you can have a nice backdrop or just do something a little extra where um, you can have somebody like myself or like an agency or somebody come in to help set up just something quick and creative. It doesn't have to be anything over the top just to give people a little bit more of a visual than just here we are face to face. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what we're going to need too, because like you said, like that physical, the atmosphere of being somewhere is such an important part of the experience of no matter what the event is, if it's a conference or if it's Coachella, it's the actual being there and being around the people is what's most interesting and what like captures the vibe. And so if it's people sitting in their like kitchen and living room, like it doesn't matter what they're doing. It is far less interesting than any sort of in-person experience. Exactly. Yeah. I'd be curious, like what did, what role does VR, like what could they, what could it have in like this current setting where it's like, leave the screen, sit on your couch, put on your goggles and feel like you're in the world. You know, you know, you're leaving this kind of 2D environment and moving into something that's a little bit more explorative and experiential and still having some of that vibe and like is there room for that like are we are you seeing any of that like do you think there's opportunity there like what would that look like I think there's definitely opportunity for that I feel like people haven't really been looking at that yet one just because it's crazy expensive like as I was leaving Sephora they were talking about doing a virtual event later on in the year and I was just like looking at all the different options there are for these type of digital events and VR was one of them. And it's like, I think one of the, like the VR masks that I was looking at was like $500 per mask. Like so. the <laughs> Oculus Rift or Yeah, it, it was like $500 per um, the Oculus. And so I feel like people are a little bit slower when it comes to that. It's like, I guess they're trying to figure out the whole like, let's do an event via Zoom first. And then if we continue to do this or have to be quarantined for months to come, like let's move on to other things. Because I think VR would definitely shake up people's world and it might, <laughs> it would have better results than, you know, the camera to camera or just doing something via a virtual app. So true. Yeah. The technology just isn't like readily available and it's definitely not in everyone's price point, which is a totally valid point. It's just, it'd be cool, but like yeah. in a perfect world. <laughs> <laughs> which we're nowhere near at the moment. No, no, no. <laughs> Sadly. Uh, so funny. I feel like, um, you know, I'd be curious, like, what are your thoughts about, like, the future? Like, okay, so let's say, so let's say Coachella actually happens in the fall. Like, what does that look like? I mean, people were wearing bandanas over their face far before, yeah. you know, COVID was happening. And, like, that was already a trendy, like, accessory for these types of events. Like, how do we, like, how do you offer a similar experience? Like, what do you think, what would that look like? I feel like it's definitely not going to be the same for sure. I feel like it's going to be weird in a sense because I was just reading something like um, the California governor gave a statement the other day. And he was like, while we don't have a deadline or when we're going to open up again, he was like, there's guidelines that we're going to have to follow. Like wherever you go, you're going to have to wear like a face mask or you're going to have to wear gloves. And I feel like Coachella is still going to have to like limit down its number of attendees because I feel like that's still going to be an issue later on. Like I feel like we're going to do little events at a time like we'll start off with like birthday parties again and you know having physical like anniversary dinners. I feel like we'll do like the little personal events first and then the bigger things like Coachella or South by Southwest ultra music festival a little bit later on like I feel like those might just end up getting pushed back to next year just because I feel like 
while people are excited to like get out and do things and go to events, I feel like we're going to have to keep it pretty small because I feel like people are going to be scared of, because <laughs> I keep saying things like, oh, we're going to have a second wave of Corona like later on this year and we want to, you know, play it safe. So I feel like either Coachella is going to have to do like a smaller version of what they've been doing in the past or they're just going to have to push it back to next year just because I feel like there's going to be so many new rules and changes that we're all going to have to make when attending these types of events. Totally. Yeah, it's going to be so bizarre. It's like there was that like even I think there's somewhere in the Middle East there was like this whole like I keep envisioning like Coachella to be like this where they were having a protest but they still had it like we're adhering to social distancing so mm -hmm. like perfectly placed people like every six feet and it was like when you zoomed out it was like really beautiful because it was like everyone was like perfectly in this grid but like if it can you imagine like Coachella where it's like you have these like circle dots on the ground where it's like you can only stand here and dance and like it's just like <laughs> sick everybody like like thousands of people just like for uh, as far as you could see so funny no, premiums premium dollar for a like a spot like a dot in this section <laughs> like so bizarre like how is that supposed to work I just feel like like the type of attendees that attend Coachella and like all the drinking and things people do they won't be able to function well enough to stand in a dot <laughs> yeah. just serve premium Fiji water and that's it <laughs> <laughs> that's all we're gonna have so like what is I guess like for you, like as someone that works in this field, like what is your like next steps? Like what do you do to tackle this in an environment that's so, you know, like people are craving like connection, they're craving something to do. Like where, where are your next steps look like? What do you, what do you have in the works? Like what does that look like? Yeah, I was just like, at first I was like not feeling virtual events. I was like, this is so dumb. Like I don't like this. Like I love my physical events. When I miss my music festivals, but it's like, okay, well, I'm gonna have to get over it. I'm gonna have to adapt. Like things are changing, things change all the time. So like myself, like all the work that I had lined up was canceled. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> it wasn't rescheduled, but um, I've just been like pitching different like companies and brands just trying to like uh, connect with them and show them like, hey guys, I know we're not doing physical events, but I, you know, produce events and I would like to like offer you like a virtual event or like booking talent to do like IG lives on your stories or um, things of that nature. Just kind of like reaching out to them, show them what I can offer virtually as like an event producer, artist relations manager. And it's like, it's gotten some traction here and there, but people are just kind of like, oh, let's wait it out. It's like, oh, it's fine. We don't need this right now. So I've just been trying to get more on the virtual side of things and get in line since that's all that we can pretty much do for the time being. So true. Do you feel like there's a sense of like non-urgency with your industry where people feel like, you know, I feel like I, for one, was someone who didn't take it as seriously as I should have right away. And all of a sudden it was like, all right, see you guys in a couple of weeks. And now I'm like day 42, here I am in quarantine <laughs> and like no end in sight. Like, do you feel like people are still so hopeful in the events industry that they're like, no, we're going to hold on to this. Like, we don't need to take that many, like those drastic measures just yet. Like, I feel like all the people that I'm in contact with haven't been hopeful, which has just been very stressful and annoying because it's like, I want to, you know, keep that positive spirit and hope that we can get back to a good place at some point. But I feel like a lot of them just keep saying like, they don't see events happening until next year, just because with all the like changes and then as the case go up all the time, they just feel like we're going to have to reschedule everything just to be safe. I just... I feel like the clients have been more hopeful than anything. <laughs> sure. um, all the ones who've been wanting, you know, certain events or festivals or parties, they've been like, 
holding tight and like, you know what, we're going to do this. We're just going to keep pushing it back until we can't anymore until we have to push it back till next year. So I feel like they've been way more positive, which is interesting considering the fact that we're not <laughs> making any money as we're not planning <laughs> events. So it's just like, and across like all levels between like senior producers versus like entry level producers, everybody's just kind of been like, Oh, well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's just probably not going to happen. And I understand the reasonings for it. And, but I just want everybody to just be hopeful and have good spirits. Uh, I want to so get back tricky. to work. And I think the, I think the, everybody was craving it right like people want things to look forward to like I understand from brands perspectives to cancel everything because like this you know like with the economic downturn like it's hard to like like when you like talk about revenue generated Mm -hmm. and things like that like what what are prioritizing the things that are bringing the most money you know but at that same time like people like there's like a real inkling for people to have some sense of normalcy again and like I think like if brands can offer something for allow for people to connect outside of this day-to-day because like online learning classes are going to be fun for a certain point and then it's going to get mm-hmm. old and it's not going to be the only thing that they want to do so like right. a real opportunity I feel like for brands to kind of just stop pause and be like what can we offer that's so different from what's like the rest of the rest of the um, industries offering and like offer right. it at a low enough price point that feels accessible and because it's going to take less money to potentially produce because there's no one there you don't have security you have other things you know like there's a lot, lot of less lot of a lot a lot less cost factored into something like this so it's so crazy and you're based in LA and like what is the city looking like like what how is LA responding to all this are people <laughs> at the beach like what is happening Oh my God, it's kind of crazy. Like, I feel like it's bad to say, but I feel like I like it more now just because it hasn't been as busy out here. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, I feel like there's zero traffic, which is amazing considering there's <laughs> traffic all the freaking time to go anywhere. And everything's just been super quiet. Like, even just like I live in North Hollywood, just going outside, there's barely anybody on the streets. Of course, I feel like that's going to change because we're hitting 95 later this week, <laughs> 95 <What>? degrees. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's definitely going to change. But so far, people have been, like, pretty respectable and just staying home and doing what they can, I guess, at home versus, like, coming out, going to the beaches, because everything's pretty much closed down other than, like, the grocery stores and all that. So crazy. What are you doing? And are you getting outside at all? Are you enjoying that that lovely heat that you (laughs) so love? (laughs) Well... I mean, yeah, but I practice social distancing, so <laughs> I do get out. I do take my walks, like, early in the morning to, like, walk around neighborhoods just because it's, like, I don't want to gain 300 pounds just, like, <laughs> rest eating in my apartment. You have to, yeah. I have to. You got to get out. I need to get out, even if it's just going to Target, like, 16 times a week. I need to do something <laughs> to take my mind off things before I go freaking crazy. Yeah, the grocery totally stores are, like, the thing to do, like, that's that's the new event that's my new like thing to look forward to it's like i get to go to the grocery store go to target i can you know go to target and you can look at you it's food there's like some books and like you know <laughs> there's a lot of yeah there's, there's <laughs> they got clothes there there's a whole bunch of stuff you can do at a target no i mean supermarkets are definitely becoming the place to be my colleague in london she's like we don't have air conditioners in our flats so we all go to the grocery store to cool off <laughs> that's insane getting creative you guys just gave me an idea maybe i should just produce an event at a grocery store like a pop-up <laughs> event should. as people are shopping that's some sort of honestly so brand smart. activation exactly there we go throw some brands in there 
have some activations, you know, get a couple of talent to like come sing a song as people are shopping for cereal and that'll be their experience for the month. Amazing. You find a, a food brand that's trying to launch and do a brand activation. We're, we're getting somewhere. Yeah. We keep it under the 10 people, 10, like a nine person production. <laughs> exactly. Make the money, get everybody's spirits up since everybody's been kind of like sad and all over the place. I feel like we're on to something. You know what, like, even if you could, you know, there's all these block parties that are being hosted with like social distancing where people are like admiring from their stoop. Like if you could like offer something in like a grocery store parking lot, like your summer block party, but stay in your car, please. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, that is smart, low key. Like as long as you're practicing the six feet, staying in your car, wearing your mask, who's to say that it's wrong? You know, who's to cancel that? Exactly. You know, like no. drive-in movie theaters should make a comeback. Honestly, they should. That was one of my favorite things as a kid. I, I don't think I've ever been to a drive-in movie, but that absolutely <laughs> should reopen. Oh, so That's good. Because I feel like AMC said they're like going bankrupt or losing all this yeah. money by not being open. But hello, guys. Like we're going to have to start thinking of other alternatives. That's a smart yeah. You should pitch that to them. I think that's a good idea. Like I was reading um, some Disney movie that whatever their latest animated animated movie was, um, it cost them like three hundred million dollars to make, and it was supposed to release like two weeks ago. Right? You're never gonna make that money back. Like streaming, like you might have made like maybe you get like seventy, eighty million from the box office, and then like you make the bunch back on like the back end of toys and books and stuff like that. But like that 80 million from the box office turns to like 10 million for people like who no one buys movies to watch on Apple Plus. Yeah, no. sadly. <laughs> right? Literally, so, I haven't bought a movie in like 25 years. <laughs> when a blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like some people are getting creative. Like um, I watch Insecure and I know that they sent out like these like nice like kits to everybody. It had like wine and like a bingo game and like Ritz crackers and some other stuff in it to kind of like yeah. get everybody to watch it together. And they like did like a live where it's like they had like a DJ playing an hour before the show premiered. And then after they did like a Q&A with the cast. So it's like everybody get on Instagram or get on Twitter and let's like talk about the show together. And even though we're not physically together, let's kind of like create that element. Yeah. and you know, have fun together while we can. So it's like people are doing really cool things, but I just want my physical event. <laughs> All the extroverts need that, that energy from other people. It's true. And I think we can all agree that the rest of the world wants your physical events back too. Like yeah. Alex wants to mosh, be in a mosh pit again before it's socially unacceptable for him to be in a mosh <laughs> yeah, pit. before I'm too old. <laughs> Exactly. I'm running out of time. Like I'm hitting, even though I'm like 25 for like the last 30 years, I'm getting too, I'm getting too old to not to do all these like crazy things. So wait, I'm just so over it all, but it's fine. We're going to get better. Things are going to get better. I feel like if anything, we may be doing 50 people at max at the events, maybe yeah. not for the rest of the year, at least hopefully things will change and Hopefully, maybe we'll do things over that, but I feel like optimistically, realistically, I won't be over 50 for a while. Intimate Yeah, but that might be an interesting, like if you can have 50 people and say like it's for, um, it's for uh, a brand or a TV show or something like that, and you have like one of the 50 people as a cast member or the director or something like that, and you start 
you know, you have 50 people, but it's over the course of three days and in two hour stints, you have 50 people together. And then you create this very exclusive event that exclusive events build a little more like brand loyalty. People feel more connected to whatever that brand is. If it's a significant event, that might be a little, a little way to, to boost to events like or do something. That's super smart. Yeah. And plus brands have all the money anyway. So <laughs> I feel like this yeah. works in favor of them. And then it's like, obviously people want to get out at some point and just see their friends or just, you know, experience something out there in the world. So I feel like that could be a good thing too. It's like, I feel like brands would definitely have to open up more and be more receptive. Cause a lot of the ones that I've been working with just kind of like want to wait it out or they'll just do things on like Instagram here and there, but they won't really have like virtual events. So yeah. I mean, Instagram TV has been insane or Instagram yeah. live, like yeah. hundreds of thousands of people turning into an IG live, which is crazy. Which is great. Cause sometimes like some of the numbers I was on like the little John and T-Pain, what was it like yeah. two weeks ago? <laughs> I think they had like 800,000 people and it's like, would they have even got that in person? Like at a regular concert? Right. Arena? Right. No. But I feel like it's definitely doing numbers probably cause we have nothing else to do, right. but <laughs> who knows? Right. I yeah, think but it's, it's your, like, uh, go ahead. No, I'm just like saying like, you know, like it's, it shows the need and like 800,000 people, one concert or one, you know, like that's amazing reach. And now you get to like, in one stop, you become, it's a global opportunity. Like, right. It's no longer just like in the U S or it's in Europe or it's doing, it's whatever. It's like, we're now opening up doors for like the, like the entire world to like, chime in and like everyone's home doing their own thing you know so it's not like there's anywhere really else for anybody else to go that's consuming other opportunities they're like looking for like the unique things and people benefit it's smart and I just love that half this stuff is like very at minimal cost like I feel like Mm -hmm. like I was saying before I feel like a lot of times you pay like over the top for experience like this but now it's like because of the circumstances, it's like you have like less than $10 events that you can attend and they're freaking amazing. And <laughs> hopefully, you know, it'll stay that way in the future, but it's just nice for the time being to just attend all these like cool events online and just see what everybody's been up to and just kind of like, I guess, make up for all the events that we have lost or are going to miss this year. So it's just it's an alternative that's working. Totally. So crazy. Well, this has been so fascinating, Elise. Thank you so much for like coming on the show. Being our guinea pig, our first guest. Our first guest. Yes, your first. I should have been (laughs) well, you can come back when we have more when we have news about what's going on in events. We'd be happy to have you back. When I have an update, when I have more going on. (laughs) Right in the middle of all the chaos, right where you thrive. We'll be like, come on back. I know. So good crazy now but I feel like like once later this year hits I feel like I'll be busy again and it's like hey guys I have more of an update <laughs> yeah here's where we landed and here's where we're going <laughs> what's <laughs> happening the latest I'm live from Taiwan <laughs> like what well, are you doing out there it's so crazy because before all this like a guy from Shanghai had reached out to me to do like produce like a random conference and he reached out to me via LinkedIn I was like whoa this would be so cool I've been wanting to do something in another country and then it happened. <laughs> it did happen. Yeah, it all happened. Oh, who would have thought, Dang like, it. you know, Corona. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be, like, the most unexpected thing maybe ever. Yeah. 
I mean, maybe, maybe some people be like, well, there a plague happens every hundred years. It's like, okay, yeah, great. Yeah. But this is, I mean, with how fast everything closed, with how, I mean, it just, it was just like in a matter of two weeks, everything was shut down. I think it's like so, that tidal wave that we all saw, but like, we're like, oh, it's so far out, it won't hit us. And then all of a sudden, like, the damage is just insane. You're like, how are we going to, like, recover from this? It's like, oh. I feel like, like, I was um, ending my time at Sephora around this time, and it's just like, it felt like the world was ending. Like, <laughs> we were all just, like, going home in the middle of the day just because we were getting, like, news updates from CNN or whoever just saying, like, oh, we're about to shut down, go on quarantine. It just felt like the world, we were going to wake up and the world was going to be over. So weird. Yeah, I saw a meme that was like, remember the guy who predicted the world was going to end in 2012? Yeah, he was dyslexic. It's 2021. <laughs> <laughs> God, oh. memes keep me going. <laughs> yeah, the lifeblood of us all. On the internet. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, awesome. thanks again and stay optimistic, you positive person, you. Thanks, guys trying to be yeah. like you and keep smiles through all this but congrats on your guys' podcast what a great time to start hey that's no time like the present well. exactly i'm here for it if you want if you can come up with an awesome virtual event for a podcast let us know we'll, we'll be your guinea pigs yeah mm, you guys are definitely I mean, giving me some things to think about we don't have a big draw but you know we can, <laughs> <laughs> we can we're gonna get one because drive. people are home exactly that's it yeah Exactly. I'm excited. Awesome. All right. Thanks. 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 Yeah. Thank you, this guys. We're awful at ending episodes. This is like <laughs> the Minnesota goodbye. I must say, it's like a Midwest. Like, don't hang up yet, but we gotta hang up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, all, right. all right. We're gonna end it. Thanks, Peace. everybody. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.